Alexa, what is the best podcast in the land? Here's pulling back the curtain podcast registered from Amazon Music. Playing the latest episode. This podcast is sponsored by Sumato Coffee. Sumato Coffee believes that coffee should be unique and high quality from bean to cup. Beyond that, it starts to become stale. At Sumato Coffee, they're incredibly concerned and transparent about when your coffee is roasted. That's why they put the roast date right on the bag. Pulling Back the Curtain podcast listeners receive a 20% discount off their order by using promo code BALLERSCOFFEE. To learn more about Sumato Coffee, please visit them at sumatocoffee.com. That's S-U-M-A-T-O-C-O-F-F-E-E.com. What's happening, people, and what you know good? We'd like to thank you for listening and spending your time with us. This is Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast, the most provocative, the most exciting, the baddest, baddest podcast in the land. We come with the dopest topics, hitting with the rawest opinion while giving you the straight-up facts. No fake news here. I'm Jules. Oppress. We give sight to the blind, ladies and gentlemen. Alexa, what is the baddest podcast in the land? Here's Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast registered from Amazon Music. Playing the latest episode. This podcast is sponsored by Sumato Coffee. Sumato Coffee believes that coffee should be unique and high quality from bean to cup, and that coffee is best two to 14 days after it's been roasted. Beyond that, it starts to become stale. At Sumato Coffee, they're incredibly concerned and transparent about when your coffee is roasted. That's why they put the roast date right on the bag. Pulling Back the Curtain podcast listeners receive a 20% discount off their order by using promo code BALLERSCOFFEE. To learn more about Sumato Coffee, please visit them at sumatocoffee.com. That's S-U-M-A-T-O-C-O-F-F-E-E.com. What's happening, people? What you know good? We'd like to thank you for listening and spending your time with us. This is Pulling Back the Curtain podcast, the most provocative, the most exciting, the baddest podcast in the land. We come with the dopest topics, the rawest opinion, giving you the straight up facts. No fake news here. I'm Jules. I'm Dead Press. We give a sight to the blind, ladies and gentlemen. On this episode, we're pulling back the curtain on the major events from this week and discuss the effects that the pandemic has had on our education. Press was popping, baby. Man, dude, I'm hanging in there, man. How you been, man? How's the week been for you, brother? It's been all right. You know, I was off yesterday, so I was chilling. I, you know, woke up to some snow, but it's all right. You know what? It's okay. Like, minor things. We can we can deal with a little snow, right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, so far, so far, January's been, it's been not too bad. Dude, I'll take it, bro. I mean, to be honest with you, I haven't put my winter coat on one time, bro. Right. I just walk around with my hoodie. Exactly. I'm like, man, we getting spoiled over here. <laughs> Dude, we probably got people that uh, that's from all over the country that's listening to us. Chicago dudes like, what's wrong with y'all? Y'all weather's still in the 40s, but dude, it's like spring for us. <laughs> oh, man, you ain't kidding. You are not kidding. But like you said, man, we'll take it. Hell Ooh, yeah, man. Especially January. All we do, got a couple more weeks, then February, then ooh, spring, here we come. Dude, we deserve it, man. We deserve the mild winter, man. Shit, after what we deal with 2020, I just hope this mm-hmm. continues, bro. <laughs> mm-hmm. You and me both, so I'm definitely be saying some prayers you know, to the big man. Hey, keep this rolling. Because you know when that hawk comes, bro, that, that shit make you, it, it make you hate life. You be, I'd be out there, you know, when that cold coming, it hit you, and it'd be that bone-chilling cold. 
You be Mm-mm. reevaluating your life. You're like, man, what, what what did I do to deserve living in this city? Mm-mm. <laughs> Mm-mm. Uh-uh. Now, now I know you like, see, I know you like to run and stuff. With that cold, it's, it's a little rough, right? Yeah, man. So previously, man, I was in the gym. So I bought a treadmill for the crib now. So I just run at the house, you know, mm-hmm. running outside for me. I, I shut it down generally in December and I'll go back out there like at the end of February in a normal time. Because you're right, man. Definitely. I ain't running run in that shit. <laughs> run, run to the car. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey you, hey, you hit that door. You open up that door. You're like, nope. Turn nope. right back around. Not today. hey man before we get into it man i want to give you a shout out jules man uh audience on our uh, christmas episode you know i told the story about the fire that uh that happened at my house as a kid and how i lost pretty much all my toys and you know my action figures and whatnot and my man jules man just being who he is man the guy sent me a a he-man action figure man and it was dope (laughs) man I ain't gonna lie to you, I ain't the most, you know, ain't the most emotional kind of cat, you know what I'm saying? But that shit made me think, I'm like, that's a friend right there, man, because that that was awesome. I got it right here. I got it right here on my desk. It's actually holding up my mic. So, man, he (laughs) going to be a part of the podcast going forward. (laughs) Oh, man, dude, that's what's up, man. Hey, that's what's up, man. I I, I appreciate it, man. That was heartfelt, man, when you said that happened. And and as a kid, to lose that stuff, I just tried to put myself in your shoes and I was like, you know what? Those are the memories back then. That was a that was a bad memory. And I was like, you know what? Let's make some new memories and stuff. And I had to send it to you. Yep. And you know what I did too, because you know how petty I could be, Jules. I, I I took a picture of the the He-Man action figure and I sent it to my mom. And I said, at least Jules uh, felt like I deserved to get another one. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> What'd your mom say, man? I know she probably like she's she like she laughed. She laughed. You know she used to it by now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, from the heart, man. Appreciate it. And like I said, he man holding up the mic, and that's what we gonna do over here. I like how you how you use he man to hold the mic up, man. That's right, and I like that. I have the power, baby. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, man, let's get into the episode, bro. So we had a lot of stuff that was going on this week, and so wanted to touch mm-hmm. on a few of the things. First thing I wanted to get your thoughts on, your boy Trump was impeached by the House for his second time. <laughs> what did you think about mm-hmm. that shit? I wasn't surprised. <laughs> <laughs> now, for people, people, I wasn't surprised, man. I knew that was coming. Them people were hot, boy. They were pissed. They was hot like, they was hot like fish grease, boy. It was hot. And I knew that was coming. But see, the thing is, now you're going to have court and stuff like that. And then if he's found guilty, he'll be impeached. Right. And the so, thing about it is that trial's not even going to take place until Biden gets into office. Right. You know? So it's one of them things like, OK, we he's impeached a second time. But the things that he said, can he be held liable in, 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 in the court side? Will they find him guilty in that? That's that's another thing. Right. That when that come about is enough to convict him and have him be impeached. You know, it's still a long process. It's I'm not surprised that they went for it. Pence didn't go for it, but, you know, they passed from, you know, the House and stuff. And we'll just see what happens, man. I, I just, what we got, a few days left? Yeah. I just want something new in there and just, I just want this to be over, Prez. I just want it to be over. Yeah, man. I think you and, and everybody else, bro, because you're right, man. I mean, th- think about this shit, man. This would mark the first time that a president, I put that in air quotes, has been impeached mm-hmm. twice, bro. Air quotes. <laughs> Damn, that says all you need to know about this guy's four years in office, man. It's insane. And to your point, you brought up the fact that those guys in, in the house and everything, they were upset. Well, they were damn near, they were damn near uh 
they would have gotten assaulted if they didn't get those people evacuated. So mm-hmm. I think that's why they were so mad is because this mob came in there, ransacked the place, and Pence and all those other lawmakers, I don't know if they, well, they probably do realize it now, but their lives probably were in danger. And I think that's why they were so mad, and that's why they voted so quickly to get him up out of there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. Because them, them mob walking around talking about hang Pence, hang Pelosi, you know, just straight jumping and whooping on any congressperson there, that's, you sit and you think, wow, my life was in jeopardy. Honestly, too, Jules, the ones that had the zip ties and all that stuff, you, we just mm-hmm. don't know what they came there to do. And so the thing about it is, I am glad that the um, the House and those guys acted swiftly. Now, we know it's not going to get him removed from office, but I just like the fact that there's going to be a, a trial that's going to go against him, and he's going to have to answer for this shit. It's also yeah, kind of interesting, uh, Jules, that he has a, still has not addressed the nation. You know, Biden came out, asked for calm. Trump didn't do so. He hasn't visited any of the people that were injured or any of the families that lost people. And I think that that was like also kind of a slap in the face, right? Because usually the president, that's what they go do. It goes to show you that his feelings was what those mobs and rioters feelings. That was his, that was his base. The speech he gave the next day, somebody wrote that for him because that was, that was like perfect. Mm-hmm. But if yep. he had said that from the get-go, I don't know if it would help that much, but you would say, okay, well, all right. But this right here, it was worse that while that rioting and looting stuff was going on, he was in there trying to call and say, hey, now can we get the uh, votes to change? Now can we change things? Right. And it was like, come on, man, this... Let it go. <laughs> oh, man. My... And, and, you know, when I was watching a little documentary, not a documentary, but uh, the little news or something about it, and people were actually just sopping up that stuff he was just shoveling. Mm-hmm. That the election was was fake and they're stealing it and it's fraudulent and stuff. And I'm like, what evidence do you have to support this? Now, if you have evidence, I'm with you. But right. if there's really no evidence, what are we talking about? I don't know, man. But you know what that thing that thing showed me with that capital situation that happened? When some of our white cousins feel threatened and when they feel like they've been oppressed, man, you don't want to fuck with them. That's all I saw. Man, look man. out. Look out. Look out. Oh, my God. <laughs> look out. Shit, man, for real. I'm just glad that I'm a legal gun owner. I wish you would. I wish you would. <laughs> and then, <laughs> yeah, right. And now uh, now they getting everybody. They mm-hmm. locking up. Everybody got on camera. They they getting them. They you know putting what? them on blast, too. But you know what's funny about that? Not even the fact that none of these people were wearing masks because they're anti-maskers, right? But you would think, if mm-hmm. I was in there doing some bullshit like they were doing, I'm sorry, I'd have had something on you. You won't go see my face. <laughs> so, right. Prez, wait a minute. Right. <laughs> right. Because, look, they was talking about they wanted to take congressmen, kidnap, yep. hang them and stuff. I mean, did somebody actually thought this plan through? You was actually going to take Mike Pence and <laughs> string him up? Like, what? <laughs> and nobody was going to do anything? Well, this is the thing. But y'all, they didn't think that plan all the way through. Because, like you said, if that was their plan, Bro, right. That place is the most secure. Well, it's one of the more secure places uh, at the time. But all the video, like your face is all over this thing. Like you said, these people are getting exactly. fired. They're getting fired from their jobs. Now they on no flies list. All kind of shit that's happening. <laughs> <laughs> right. Press, what is this worth? That's the question. Well, so these people in their minds, they I guess they probably thought that they were making a difference. And it really, I feel like indirectly what the situation did i think it made some of those republican lawmakers i think it's starting to make them think a little bit twice about some of the stuff that they've been doing over the last four years and maybe mm-hmm. maybe 
mm-hmm. they'll work better with Biden when he takes over, you mm-hmm. know, next week. I hope. You know what I see it, and I hope that because every bad thing have a, a learning a learning curve to it, right? You know, you can learn something from this, and I hope, like you said, I hope these Republicans can look at this situation and say, you know what, I got to do better and speak for all people. Yeah, we're all one America. That's the way well, it should be. Exactly. You guys are put in place for the people and by the people, you know what I'm saying, to govern the laws and stuff. And, you know, we have all different types of ethnicity and backgrounds and race and creed and all that stuff. And that's why everybody looked, well, supposed to be looking different in that, in that Congress. <laughs> so it, it hits on everybody. I hope they're, you know, the shining light on this is everybody to start working together. And under this new administration, I, I hope so, because this last four years has been rough. Man, it's been rough. And this, and this storm the Capitol, I never want to see that. No, dude. I, like I told you on the last episode, bro, that was a nightmare watching that. And that's something I'm never going to forget, just seeing that, because that's something I never thought that I would see happen from U.S. citizens, bro. Like, really? The same people mm-hmm. that love America so much that if you don't stand up during the national anthem, they, they want to put hands on you, those right. people? <laughs> dude, right. So it's weird because it's like, wait a minute, where do you stand? Like you said, they was pro-America, America first, cool. But you're attacking Americans. Right. You was jumping on police officers. That one police officer, man, they was, I saw the thing, they was beating her with a flagpole. Yeah, and then, then the one that passed away, that was the one that you mentioned that got hit with the fire extinguisher. Yeah. They're also the ones that'll tell you that they backed the blue. But where was that in that situation? That's what I'm oh. saying. Like, where, where, where is, what, what's, the, what's the motive here? What, what is these people's end goal? Because it just didn't make sense. No, it didn't. It didn't. And if somebody listen to, you know, listen to this pod, school us on something. If you got something, hey, hey, tune in. You know, let us know what's up. Let let us know your thoughts, because I'm scratching my head in all this, and this this don't make any sense. If you ain't reach out, they ain't going to school either one of us on shit, because y'all ignorant as fuck. You can't school me on nothing. (laughs) Right, I know, but you know what I'm saying. (laughs) But I know what you mean. my, 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 you know, it's funny. My mom got a lot of say. <laughs> she said, help it make sense. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Man, stupid help is and stupid does. That's all that yeah. is. <laughs> <laughs> Forrest Gump told us that. That's all I saw out there. Stupid that. <laughs> is stupid. Hey, man, I like that, man. <laughs> I like that. Stupid is stupid does. Hey, that's what we're rolling with. That's right. I mean, speaking of stupid, right? So now the FBI has to warn us because now they're playing protest at all 50 of the Capitol buildings and in D.C. leading up to Biden being inaugurated. So now we're seeing that this Capitol ransacking situation and, and terrorist attack, that's not where it stopped because it seems like they're still planning on doing more of these type of protests is what they're trying to call them, but I don't call it a protest. But the FBI came yeah, out, right. they, they came out, Jules, and they, they basically said that they have reports from several individuals that were down there in D.C. that are basically putting up stuff on social media saying that, hey, I hurt people last Wednesday in D.C., and I hurt anyone that gets in my way. The FBI is taking this stuff serious because these people have these semi-automatic rifles, explosives, gas masks, and all type of bulletproof equipment. So, Jules, I want to get your thought on that as we kind of gear up for what may take place next week. Why is the question... (laughs) Again, what are you achieving? It's already done. Biden's the president. Kamala Harris is the vice president. Nancy Pelosi is the speaker. What? You're not changing nothing. You're not changing anything. And I tell you what, they're ready. Security's ready this time. Yeah, I was noticing that, dude. They're beefing everything up there in D.C. I think they have authorization for 20,000 guardsmen. Um, 20,000. 
20,000. And you see it already. They're, they're armed. Yeah. They got non-scalable fences up, roadblocks. Of course, you're going to have rogue people intermingling with the uh, crowd. No, yeah. I don't even I don't think there's going to be any smoke. Well, you know what? I would just say this, man. I'm just glad that they're beefing up because these individuals are either making online threats that they're going to kill senators and Congress members. So my thing is, man, these guys out here right now, they're not playing around. And to your point, it makes no sense. They don't know what the hell they're fighting for. <laughs> but at the same time, I would consider people like this to be dangerous because mm-hmm. these are people that I almost kind of look at it like this. A lot of these individuals that are doing this, man, they probably been looking for something they whole life to be a part of and to feel like they're a part of something. In a sad way, this is how they feel like they can probably make a difference. Honestly, it's going to end up with probably someone being killed, you know, honestly. Right. No, I agree with you. If they wanted to do anything, they're going to get killed or seriously hurt because you have counterterrorism. You're going to have snipers. You're going to have people in posts and these checkpoints. They're not playing. So like you said, 25,000 reserve. They got officers coming from different states. New York sending 200. Virginia and all the rest of them sending officers over to D.C. You got every state beefed up security. I had a test run last week just in case they need uh, officers to go downtown to the Trump Tower. Okay, well, that's that's good to know. So even here in Illinois, they're beefing it up. Because oh, I know yeah. I... Oh, yeah. Because I, I saw in Minnesota, Michigan, and Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, those were the states that they were really focusing in on because that's where all those election controversy were going on. And also, too, for our audience, in case you guys didn't realize, those were the states not only that had the controversy where Trump was basically calling for fraud, but they have a lot of armed militia movements going on in those states. So I think that's an area that the FBI and Homeland Security are really going to be honing in on. Yeah, they need to because uh, that Michigan, like, what was it back in, I forgot, what was that, that governor, the female governor from Michigan, they stormed that Capitol building last year. Yeah, that was in the spring. It was about the mask. It was about the mask, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. So she put in a request to have been for any weapons being inside the Capitol, which rightfully so, I don't know why you need to be arming there. Well, because in Michigan, you, you, shit, man, you could chill in a bar if somebody got heat on them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's open, it's open carry Michigan, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Well, for some places like the Capitol building, I, I don't know. They should have changed <laughs> that, but they, that was still a place that you could still open carry. Okay. Man, like to your point, bro, everybody's beefing up. I just encourage anybody that's listening to this podcast, no matter where you're located in the world, just, you know, be careful, you know, stay vigilant, and just basically just, Keep your head on the swivel because we just don't know what's going to happen in these times. I don't. We don't want to, you know, make anybody fearful. We just want people to just be aware and just pay attention. These are some strange times, Jules. No, it sure is. And you hit it right in the head, man. Just be vigilant. And if you see something, say something. Right. If you see something look kind of pocket, you know, out of pocket, say something. I hear all the time, man, ain't no snitch. Man, that's not snitching. <laughs> somebody about to do some damage, jeopardize your life, your family's life, or somebody else's life. That's not snitching, man. Come on. So, yeah, if you see something looking out of pocket, just phone it in. Yeah, no, I agree with that, man. Because like you said, and also, too, the people that are friends with these people, people that are related to these people, like think about what mm-hmm. the, the bombing suspect, his girlfriend, like kind of called in, was like, hey, he's right. making bombs in the RV. That's what we need to see. We need people to step up that are around these people to know that these people are a threat. They know when these people are getting together all this ammo and and doing all the shit that they're doing. Don't stand by and just basically don't say shit. Then when the person ends up on the news because they did some fucked up shit, then you're like, well, I didn't know Johnny would even be capable of something like that. Yes, you did. Right. You saw Johnny right. fucking building up all that ammo and doing all that shit. <laughs> 
the fuck out of here. Right. Right. Because <laughs> I tell you what, Perez, they always post on their social media page. They always do. Just like that lady, Ashley Babbitt, that got lit up. Yeah. The day before, she was posting videos on, on thing, how she was going down to D.C. and how they were going to storm the Capitol building. And I'm like, OK. She wanted all the smoke and then she got it. <laughs> Perez, as my mom said, now what sense does that make? A young life snuffed out, right? For what? Right. And she served in the military, didn't she? Yes, she, she was did. what? Navy, Air Force, one of them. I think Air Force. The Air Force? Yeah. Like 14 years. Uh-huh. So it's contradicting on what, like, her job is to protect the country. Mm-hmm. So that's but, one of the things, like, what? But like you said, though, that's why when a guy like Trump, why it was so dangerous that his rhetoric was allowed to just be put out there. Because think about it. He had almost 90 million Twitter followers. So every time mm-hmm. he posted something out there, think about how many people that message was reaching over and over and over again. And all that was doing was rallying up these these idiots out here, you know? I doubt if he do this, but he really needs to tell the people to stand down. It might be too late. The cat is out the cage, maybe. But if he don't do anything else, he really needs to tell people, you know what? Let it go. But you know what, though? They asked him. He did like a little press briefing at the border um, this week. And he said that his comments were totally appropriate. So he's still doubling down on this shit, bro. Yeah, he's still, yeah, he's still, right, right. He feel like he ain't did anything wrong and stuff. I mean, unfortunately, all right. But now let's let's think about this for a second. So you and I, on a previous episode, we talked about Section 230, right? Okay, right, right. And I think that'd be a perfect kind of tie-in to basically what Trump did. Because you got to think about it. Trump's tweets and all his rhetoric has just been out there. And, and what I honestly believe is that he fanned the flames for what we saw, right? Mm-hmm. So for our audience, I know we talked briefly about Section 230 before, but at least here on this conversation, we wanted to dig into it just a little bit more. So for anyone that doesn't know what Section 230 is, is it's involved within the Communications Decency Act of 1996. From what I read up on this, it provides immunity to online platforms, from civil liability against third-party content and for the removal of content in certain circumstances. Just think about this audience in the sense of a Facebook or YouTube or anything like that where maybe a user puts up some content that's kind of like, whoa, what the hell is that about, right? Right, yeah. It gives that, yep, it gives that platform the right to basically remove that content, but then they're not liable themselves and they don't, they're not looked at as the publisher of that message. And I'm, and I'm not sure, Jules, if you had anything to add on that, but that was kind of like what I took from like kind of digging into it a little bit more. Right, yeah, because they have people in place to find things as a red flag. So many people post things, they can't catch everything. And it's just what you said about far as they can ban you or if they just happen to miss it. But it created back in 1990, Jordan Belfort. He's a broker for the founder of uh, Stratton uh, Oakman. I don't know if people saw, but Leo DiCaprio played him in The Wolf of Wall Street. He sued in their service provider, Prodigy Services, for defamation. It was held up in, in court and stuff. So a couple of Congress people had set out like, hey, no, we need to include this in that Section 230 to protect from other in their businesses from lawsuits. So that's, that's where it, it came from. In that case, what they had was they had an anonymous user that accused uh, him of uh, investment uh, mm-hmm. fraud. Yep. Mm-hmm. It helps. They need it because without it, you wouldn't even have you wouldn't even have all this because people be suing left and right. Uh-huh. It'll just it'll just yeah they want you wouldn't have this up. So right. it's important. And then we see today's time with because I think 
all the social media had banned Trump, I believe, I think. I know Twitter did. Twitter did, <laughs> for <yeah>. sure. <laughs> and they so, were and they were labeling his posts for weeks, saying that the things that he was putting out there was misleading towards the uh, the the election. Mm-hmm. And so they were basically for a while they were kind of like coming after him a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and which 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 rightfully so, rightfully so, yeah, rightfully so because we can have that hate hate speech from him or for anybody. You see what it can do. So that's why it's important that you got you got to watch what you say what you tweeting or typing or saying on these things because you can easily manipulate and influence and there's, there's some gullible people out here oh my god yes there <laughs> there's are some gullible people out here and they'll and, take and, it as we're seeing yeah <laughs> and they'll take that thing and they'll run with it i mean it's, i wouldn't go as far and say as a modern day jim jones but something like it you know <laughs> like a cold well, well it's something like it you got a lot of people drinking that kool-aid out here <laughs> oh man Drink it, you know, and they drinking that shit. It's killing their asses. But um, and remember what I told our listeners in season one: this president is gonna get you killed, and you see what happened in that damn Capitol insurrection. So, people, I just yeah, you said I, I just hope that people will just sit back, cool the fuck out, <laughs> have a fucking Coors Light, and just chill, man. Like what the fuck, man? Let's let it go. Back to the Section 230, though, real quick, uh, Jules. We mm. talked about the fact that Trump wanted this repealed. And remember he tried to tie it into the stimulus? Remember we talked about that? He was like, oh, yeah, people right. need to get more than the $600. He wanted them to get to 2000 but then he wanted them to add something in there when they repealed this 230. And I know a lot of politicians on both sides of the aisle, they've voiced complaints about Section 230. Biden even has said that um, he wasn't really a fan of it as well and said that it should be revoked like from tech platforms, including Facebook. But I don't think that a lot of people within the Congress or the Senate, I don't think that they want to do any sort of situation where they're going to repeal it outright, though. But I know that some of them kind of have issues with it. Well, I mean, you always can look back at it and and see if you can revamp it. Mm -hmm. Because here's the thing. During the elections and stuff like that, they was using the social media to kind of, it can be used for propaganda. You can play dirty politics because you see the commercials and stuff oh, yeah, about, you know, either Trump or Biden. And they use the social media. Well, pretty much the social media was pretty much for, for Biden. Yeah, right. what, I, what I've heard. Now, I'm not a big social media type guy, but for what people was telling me, it was more for the Democrats to help Biden get in office. Well, they used it. But I would say this, uh, Jules, Trump used social media better than anybody else ever to get into office. I mean, you got to think about that. Obama and Clinton and all the other people before him, social media wasn't as popular, I don't think, as it had been in his recent times. And Trump already had been an avid user of social media. So I think he used social media really to get his message out there. And also, too, it really probably helped him to to get in office because he was attacking Hillary. There was a lot of stuff that he did with social media that kind of helped him influence to your point. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I just thought about right, right, exactly. But uh, you may also made a really good point with what the Democrats have been able to do recently by also realizing the power of social media. We talked about with Warnock, uh, you know, getting that seat. That was all due to social media, getting his awareness out right. there, getting his profile up. So, no, you're right. Social media has been really great. It's a very powerful tool when used the correct way, <laughs> you know. But, yeah, we exactly. also, but we also know that there's people out here that are on other shit sometimes, you know. So... <laughs> What can you do? If you use it for good, it can turn out good. If you use it for bad, it turn out bad, man. But going back to that case that you mentioned earlier, I thought that was a really good conversation that you had started. So for our audience, if they didn't, if they weren't familiar with that prodigy case, 
the court actually ruled that because Prodigy moderated some of the posts on their platform, that they should mm. actually be treated like a publisher, which in that sense, they were found liable. And so that's why that Section 230 was put in, because individuals disagree with that decision. And so that's why they wanted to make sure that the tech companies were protected from being legally liable for users' contents, even if they did opt to uh, moderate it. So I just wanted to make okay, sure that yes, people had that kind of like little snapshot because that was a really good uh, point there on Prodigy. So yeah, man, I mean, that 230 situation, we'll see how that unfolds because as as we mentioned, Trump wants to repeal. Biden also kind of feels some kind of way about it. So we'll see what happens, man. But I would tell you, uh, these these online platforms, they're going to have to really, really beef up kind of the type of content that they're allowing on there because there's a lot of weird shit that goes on on the internet. Oh, <laughs> man, Press, like I say, man, I'm not even on it. I hear from word of mouth from other people, from other partners, and and they hitting Trump hard. They hitting him hard. Mm-hmm. Now, let's say if a Nancy Pelosi or or AOC or anybody from the left would say something out of pocket, then people won't wait a minute. No, you 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 made an example out of him. Now you gotta make an example out of that person or anybody else. They only mm-hmm. have to be a, in a public figure. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's one of them things now. All right, they're gonna have to really ramp up and vamp up the security and, and see whoever posting some bad stuff to really get them in check and kind of, I don't know if they would they'll suspend them. I know one of my partners said he was DJing online, I think it was on on Facebook, and he got suspended for well, I think it's a day or something like that for copyright infringement or something that Katie was saying. Yeah, well, so, you know, he can't do that because they do that on Instagram too. I, I know you. I know Instagram. Part, okay. Yeah, I know the part that you're talking about, man. That's common sense, there, bro. <laughs> okay. Okay. Gotcha. Because you got to think about that. That's somebody's. Uh, that's somebody's rights. And like, say for instance, like with us with this podcast, we've copyrighted. You know, pulling back the curtain podcast. There can't be people out there that's using that likeness, that name, or anything like that if they don't own it. And so he doesn't own that content. So therefore, he right. can't. Streaming, <laughs> you know, so okay. No, no in that case, in that case, no, he he had that one coming to him. But I think it was the situation where I'm looking at it where let's say, for instance, if he posted something freedom of speech wise, he has an opinion about something, he put it on Facebook. Well, mm-hmm. it could be a situation of did someone think that it was a threat? Did someone look at that and say, Is he trying to harm himself? Like there's all type of things now when you look at the section 230 of how things can be maybe they can be misconstrued, maybe in some cases or in other cases, a situation can be escalated just because you don't know what's in that person's mindset when they're posting some of the stuff that gets posted. So I think when you look at it like that, I think that's kind of where you separate the two. Most definitely, because you do have people, like you said, people put some crazy stuff on there. Just like last week, what, what Buddy was was going around YouTube and how he just want to just kill people, just go up and just go around, yep. just killing, shooting people. Yep. And you, you would think like, oh, man, should that right there be flagged and some, should somebody be notifying the authorities or something, you know? Of course they should be. That should be that should be the number one thing. While, you know, I, I agree that, you know, people that are streaming music and stuff that's not their own should be suspended. But if we got somebody that's out here uh, posting stuff on YouTube talking about killing somebody, that person should be reported and we should be finding out Okay, what's that IP address? Where does this person live? We don't need to pay you a visit. <laughs> you know, like right, <laughs> right, right. We need to have a conversation, sir. <laughs> and then, if you get more people getting popped off that way, then I will say less people will likely to post things. Well, Mike Tyson said it best, man. He said it's a lot of guys on the internet right now 
they post things because they never got punched in the fucking face before. And he's right. Mm. You got a lot of cowards out here that can hide behind a screen or a phone and say some off the cuff stuff. But you can tell people that they never had that smoke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> For real. You're right. Yeah, that's real talk. Real talk, Mike. Yeah, he's right, though. I mean, you, you think about this, Jules. You know me for a minute, man. I don't mm-hmm. care where I am, who who I'm around. If I got something to say, I'm going to say it. And that's it. But I'm mm-hmm. going to say it to your face. I'm not a keyboard warrior. You know what I'm saying? And I want our listeners to realize I'm a strong, opinionated person on this podcast. But Jules will tell you, I'm that same person in, in, in face-to-face, too. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> you know. Yep. Um, the thing about it is, though, you got a lot of people out here that it's trolling or they try to do stuff because they think it's funny or cute. And it's not, you know, because at the end of the day, Jules, you got a lot of people, as I've mentioned, a lot on the show that are hurting, right? So you have these trolls that are online making inappropriate comments, saying fucked up shit to people. You don't know what people are being affected mentally. They read some shit that you put out there, how that's affected them. It's, it's a lot of things. So this section 230, I think is going to be heavily, um, heavily examined. I think over the next year, I would say. Oh, it's definitely going. It's definitely going to get looked at. It's definitely going to looked at. And if they're going to revamp some things, they'll revamp some things because what happened in the Capitol building and what Trump did—that's pretty much is going is the reason why they're going to try to look at this thing heavily. <laughs> yep, exactly. And that's why it's good that Twitter has, in a sense, some protections because they can't be held liable for that message being out there. You know, right. because it was on their platform. So we'll we'll definitely see. Before we uh, get into the nuts and bolts of the episode. Jules, we had briefly talked about Lisa Montgomery on the last episode. And mm-hmm. so she was basically set to be executed. And so heading into this week, Lisa Montgomery was the only female inmate on death row in the U.S. Well, she was finally executed this week. But there was like a last second postponement. I don't know if you saw that, but a judge had basically ruled that you guys can't execute her. But then finally, the, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court, they lifted that. And so she was actually executed. I think it was Wednesday of this week. It's Wednesday morning, 1.31 in the morning. Yep. Lethal injection was what they did. And uh, I'll just tell you this, man. As I mentioned on the last episode, this case really caught my attention and probably a lot of other people's attention out there. Just when you kind of read on her story and saw that she suffered so much uh, abuse as a child, and I thought mm-hmm. her her attorneys did a really good job of basically showing you what trauma does to a person, right? She seemed to be very mentally ill. She's the first federal female inmate to be put to death by the U.S. government. And I think it might have been 65, 66 years, something like that. But when you look at that situation, it's a very long time. But it, it's sad in the sense time. that mm-hmm. the family now has to retrace the trauma of what happened to their loved one, right? I still wonder... How much money did our government spend with all these cases, with this thing going up to the Supreme Court, with all the different injunctions that they put? Like, how much money was spent on this situation to execute this one person? That's what I wish that I could figure out. Yeah, I'm because sure it you know, cheap. right, right, right. I'm about to say, because it went through three federal courts. Yes. It went to three federal courts. And like you said, it got, a, uh, it got overturned by the Supreme judge saying that Montgomery's attorneys presented the case too late. Or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. I understand time, you know, timetable, time limits and stuff. But we're talking about somebody's life. Mm-hmm. You know, I get it. What she had done back in 2004, I believe. No excuse. But if the girl is really suffering through something because when growing up as a childhood, her, I believe her father and friends molested her and abused her. Over and over again. Over yeah. and over. Right. That can, I mean, 
<laughs> it'll mess anybody up. And if there is a a case where, you know, because somebody suffered from a mental condition that they don't need to be put to death. I mean, these are all the things we can, you know, all the things that can go hand in hand on. Uh, okay, let's look at everything. Let's look at everything and do she fit that criteria or don't she? And what what happened here, they feel that she didn't fit the criteria. Because I don't believe because you, the attorney didn't present it on time. Well, yeah, you know, you didn't present it on time, so uh, nah, she'll die by lethal injection. It's sad all the way around. I, my heart goes out to the, the family that lost their loved one, but also kind of feel for Lisa Montgomery as well, because she went through things in life that I didn't go through. And I'm fortunate that I didn't go through because then my life could have probably went down a different path as well. And as I mentioned in the last episode, mental illness is real. There's a lot of people with mental trauma that's being underdressed in this country. That's a conversation that a lot of people aren't having and are not ready for. And so you have to look at a situation where Lisa Montgomery, where she was failed, not only by her own family, her father, who, as I mentioned in the last episode, Jules, your father and a mother, your job is to protect and guide your child, mm-hmm. not, not to lead to their demise. And Lisa Montgomery, she was definitely let down by a lot of people in her life. And it's, it's a shame that she had to go through what she went through in life. But like I said, my heart goes out to all involved and never easy. When you, when you talk about someone being murdered, brutally murdered, but... I also kind of think that Lisa's life wasn't the easiest as well. So just my hearts go out to mm-hmm. all, all individuals involved. Well, Jules, man, let's get into the, the episode. So on today's episode, we're going to follow up on an episode that we did in season one. So for our audience that's been rocking with us from day one, you remember that we did an episode where we talked about the digital divide that came with e-learning. And okay. we know that this pandemic has not been easy. It hasn't been easy for students. It hasn't been easy for families. And so we wanted to just kind of do a a quick follow-up and just go over some of the things that we've recently seen that's been going on with the learning situation. And Jules, I'm going to kick it off and then I'm going to let you jump in. But what I've really seen over the course of this last year when it comes to this digital divide, this pandemic has just further illuminated and really, really shown to me the disparities between the different races and income groups in this country, especially here in Chicago, when you look at the inner city versus the suburbs. I think Mm -hmm. a lot of times in education, attention is mostly focused on achievement gaps. But we have to think about now in this pandemic where you have these kids that are at home, we don't know even if they're even logging into class, right? We don't even know if they even have access to the devices to use for class, right? And so Mm -hmm. now that gap is widening. And What I think that people should be looking at, right, especially right now, instead of looking at achievement gaps, Jules, I think schools need to start focusing on the underlying opportunity gaps because the most vulnerable students (laughs) are being put into the least desirable situations. Because as I mentioned earlier, if they have inadequate tools, if they don't have the proper support system to navigate them and guide them like you and I had when we were growing up, then these students are never going to basically get anywhere. And I think that that's the underlying issue that needs to be talked about. And we talk about this on this podcast all the time, whether it's redlining and whether it's a lot of the different things that have happened to strip these uh, communities of resources. Well, now you look at a lot of these communities like Inglewood, where they say up to 50% of the students in those areas don't even have internet in their homes. Now, I want our audience to think about that for a second. Me and Jules, we talk about the internet like it's, you know, hey, let me let me log on. Let me let me jump on the internet. Like it's, right, exactly. it's a common thing for us, right? 
Uh-huh. This is a base. This is a basic thing that some people don't even have, and that's something that a lot of people don't even think about. I, Jules, before I kick it back over to you, I read a story where there was this one kid that she said during the summer when she was taking summer school classes that she would ride her bike to a, a Dunkin' Donuts and she would use their Wi-Fi to do her schoolwork because she didn't have mm-hmm. internet at home. Now that's a kid right there that's showing you that they want it. But think about the fact that she has to go all the way out over there just to have something that most kids, I would say, for the most part in this country, have internet in their homes. <laughs> Man, you know, it's it been like that from day one. Back at our ancestors, we could, if, if they get found out they were trying to learn, they get executed. Yep. Then when you get you get your gym coming up through the South and the Jim Crow area and stuff, the curricular wasn't equal as, as whites or other races. So it's always been we've been held back. Now, granted, yeah, there's school and there's books and there's teachers and stuff, but far as the education levels, have never really been the same. Now, right. we're looking at this now. You get school closings and other things that's going on in these schools, but the pandemic hit, and now kids pretty much have to fend for themselves. Parents have to fend for themselves, like you just said. Not all, not everybody have Wi-Fi. Not everybody have laptops. Not everybody have access to remote learning. How do you address this is the question. I know some schools supply kids with the with the tablets. Uh, a partner of mine's have it, but then you have this thing, but then you had to get the student, uh, the kid, I'm sorry, the kids to to sit down and really to, to really work and, you know, log into this thing. Mm-hmm. And it's just not the same. It's not. it's not. It's not the same. And I, I don't even think they even... I'm not sure, but I don't even think it's like a, a pass or fail type thing, you know. So I was, uh, yeah, I was actually chatting with a couple parents before we we okay. got on, on this episode. And what they mentioned is, is just mostly completion of the work is pretty mm-hmm. much how they're moving the students along. But to me, I just don't think that these students are being educated. To your point, you mentioned the fact that, you know, your partner, his, his kid has the, the device, but there's a lot of different things you got to think about. Keeping a student engaged remotely is a challenge. You remember how mm-hmm. I was in school. I, being in school in person learning, I still was having struggle concentrating and paying attention because I was my mind was all over the place, you know? So you got to think about that. Now you're at home. You, you don't mm-hmm. have a teacher. You're doing school over Zoom. I could be logged into this Zoom, but I could be doing something else. I could be playing a video game for right. all the teacher knows. They don't know. And I think that there's a lot of different challenges that are coming up to be with this situation. So... Obviously, the digital divide is one aspect with the inadequate access to internet, not having mm-hmm. access to tablets, which we've seen over the course of the year that there have been certain organizations that have popped up. They've been partnered with CPS to kind of help students with this. What was that? Uh, it was an organization called, I think it was Chicago Connected, something along those lines. They worked with CPS to distribute basic technology to the students because what we saw in the spring when we did the first episode of season one there was like over 100,000 Chicago students that didn't have access to any sort of internet. And so when CPS right. shifted to the online learning, there was like, well, all of our students that we're trying to connect with, we can't work with. <laughs> they, they don't even right. have internet. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, right. And, and it's pretty much mostly come from families of color, or low-income families. Exactly. So like you said, the lack of not having computers or internet access not working because of the pandemic, a lot of people not working, or if they are working, they're out the house, so they can't really monitor what their kids are doing. Yeah, and also too, Jules, just one component that I want to just make sure that I hone in on. 
even if schools, which they were able to kind of help kids with the, the technology gaps and getting them the devices and stuff like that, you can't mm-hmm. control what happens at home. And I think that that's one of the ultimate downfalls of remote learning, because not only can you not guarantee that those students are going to be present, but given a child a computer or a device doesn't address the child care crises that are going on in a lot of these inner city homes. And mostly this stuff happens with people of color, you know, mm-hmm. and, and things of that nature. Because parents in these rural and inner city areas, they have to make that hard choice between returning to work, because most of the times these people are essential workers, or staying right. at home to look after their kids. So if they do the latter, then how are they going to take care of their kids? And this mm-hmm. is also another issue that Jules and I have brought up on this podcast when it comes up to a lot of the relief that hasn't been there for families. These are a lot of tough decisions that people have to make. You have parents that are forced to work jobs where they're exposing themselves to this virus and then they have they come home and they're pretty much bringing that virus to their children. Right, so I think there's right. a lot of underlying things that people aren't really thinking about. One other point, Jules, that just kind of popped in my head. When I was okay. younger, I was the key kid, right? So, you know, I was the oldest. So it was my responsibility to make sure me and my brother got home from school. My mom would still be at work. My grandmother was still working at that time. So, I was basically home alone at like, what, eight or nine years old, you know, making sure, hey, warm up the food, you know, make sure we eat, make sure we do our homework. So there's a lot of kids right now that are caring for younger siblings, right? Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. if they're responsible for doing that for their siblings, that prevents them from fully participating in their online instruction. And so I think that's an important thing for people to think about. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Because now, like you said, Perez, you at nine, have to cook food and also look look after your brother's homework, right? Who's making sure you know you're you're 100 good, right? That take away from your from your uh concentration on getting your stuff done because right. you're you're in charge and stuff. So yeah, that's another another way of looking at this. But you know, a couple things I just want to say. Far as now, my wife she used to work in the libraries as a okay. cyber, cyber navigator. Okay, she used to be a cyber navigator, and it's for the libraries, and it's for for people who do not understand electronics, she can teach or whoever the cyber navigator is can teach you and tell you how to, how this thing is working. So that's a good, and it's an ad, it's an advanced resources that you have in these libraries. So that's a spot definitely you can go to to understand as far as parents or grandparents to understand how this thing works. But also they have a teacher on board too at the libraries to kind of help if you have a student in there that don't understand the schoolwork. And then also that uh, people can use just in case you, you if you need to hotspot something if you have a computer but you don't have. Oh, you talking about the Wi-Fi? The Wi-Fi. The wi- yeah, hotspot. the Wi-Fi. My, my my bad. I said it wrong. Yeah, you can use that so you can get on so you can get online. Yeah, but I've heard that there's a limited amount of them that they had available uh, with those wi- true hotspots. But normally people just go in and have any questions or anything they have uh, problems with, they can ask. Okay. All right. That's good to know. One thing that I wanted to just talk about real quick when we talk about these disparities. So mm-hmm. obviously, you know, we're plugged in just people that we know, friends and family wise. So I've kind of talked with people on all aspects of, of my friend group, right? Whether it's, you know, people that look like me and you, Jules, to some of my white cousins. And it's been interesting to kind of hear their viewpoints when it comes to working with their kids with the e-learning stuff. And most of their frustration has come with them trying to work from home in their particular field, right? Because that's something that I do. I work from home. And I I can only imagine if I was tasked with having to try to run my meetings for work 
all the calls that I'm on. And then I have to like constantly during out the day, sit here and be fake teacher for my kid. And so a lot of what they say is the challenge that they have in their day is balancing the work that they have to do in their work from home situation. And then also acting as a, as a quasi teacher to their child. A few of my friends in that group have actually mentioned that what they've done is they've actually stopped doing the homeschooling for their kid. And they've basically to, they've put their kids into these like pandemic pods. I'm not sure if you're familiar with what these things are, but it's like learning groups. It's learning groups. And it's a lot of times what people are doing to make sure that their kid isn't falling behind. They put them in these groups, which you have to have, you know, money and resources to get your kid in that. And that's some privilege that a lot of people may not have, but it's just another way to ensure that your child is still getting the support and resources that they need. But then it's not something that you as a parent that's basically working from home has to necessarily lead that learning or that education for your child. That's something that I wanted to bring up. But the inner city students, their parents don't have that option. I've actually heard from some people that I know that work in CPS that a lot of the older teens have actually dropped out of school altogether since this pandemic oh, wow. has happened. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. When I look at this situation, obviously no one could have predicted that any of this stuff was going to happen, Jules. But I just think that, right. man, these, these school systems, I think they could have done a way better job of making sure that this online experience was more conducive to learning. Because as you mentioned, and as I kind of mentioned, the only thing is, is that kid has to log in, but there's nothing that's holding them particularly accountable. And right. I don't think that these kids are really plugged in or really actively engaged. So they're not really learning. So even if the kids are logging in and doing the stuff, I don't think that they're retaining any of the information. Right, right. Because let me ask you, could could they also, let's say they they have their, their work, could they also go onto another device and just look up the answers? Well, of course. Yeah, because it's, I mean... Right, like you say, well, everything's all open notes now. Right. Okay. Right. 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 That's right. Okay. So, but the, and that's okay. another thing too, because then what am I learning? Because you know, when I was in college, I didn't have the benefit. I had to study, and I had to take that test, no notes. But now, kids that are doing this online stuff, they have everything at their disposal: old, old tests, old quizzes, notes from class. Like, dude, like they're in a position now where, to be honest with you, if they're smart. <laughs> they should just, you know, take advantage of that situation. But at the end of the day, what are they really learning is what kind of what I'm kind yeah. of piggybacking on. Yeah. No, no, you're right. What are they learning? What are they retaining as far as when they go to the next level or in the future? Mm-hmm. Because let's mm-hmm. be honest, <laughs> I tell a lot of people, what you do now echoes in the future. If you're not retaining and applying and studying and, and engaging your schoolwork, Perez, I see a couple people, I don't know mathematicians, sometimes I have to use a finger or two, but I be seeing cats really need to use their fingers and, and just really count over. You know, if I tip, let's just, all right, I, you know, let's say I have to take some money and I have to arrest somebody. And I tell them, hey, count your money. You hold your money, count your money. Yeah. And it takes them a while to count their money. The schoolwork is essential. Like what, what we're saying, it's essential. And with this e-learning, like we're talking about, it's not really, it's not really good right now for, for the students. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, yeah, just get the work done and you're going to the next level. Next grade. Right. Pretty much. Pretty much. I was even hearing stories about kids during the pandemic last year that they were in their senior year. And a lot of them basically were hardly ever logging in and they still graduated. You know what I mean? So they just passed them on. Wow. When you look at the U.S. education system, which has so many flaws to begin with, 
it's built around an in-class experience. That's how teachers are trained. Schools in a lot of these inner cities are also the hubs for support that they get. So we mentioned in season one how a lot of these kids, they depend on going to school for their meals. They depend on school for mental health counseling. And parents, and I'm just going to say this, for a lot of the essential workers slash inner city parents, they depend Mm -hmm. on school for child care for their kids. True. That's how this U.S. education system is built and designed. So now when you have a COVID pandemic that comes, it just throws all of that stuff into influx. And all of the students to me that are suffering are those that came into this pandemic with the fewest academic opportunities, because now those are the students Mm -hmm. that are on track to exit with the greatest learning loss. And what we're seeing Mm -hmm. now, you're seeing kids that are dropping out. We're seeing kids that are just sitting there. They're, They're stagnant. They're not growing. They're not developing. And it's just a lot of things right now that these kids are really, really missing out on. Well, it's hard. It's it was hard when you had in learning. It's right. <laughs> I mean, you ain't lying. <laughs> it was hard when you had in learning because it, it, some kids, let's just be honest, they just school ain't for them. Right. The school is new schools not for them, and they wasn't going to class. But now, like like we talking about, is online, and it's up. Ultimately, it's up to you. Right. It's really up to you. What you say, we've seen a lot of kids dropping out, which is terrible. And it's because it's people in the inner city who have mm-hmm. lack of access to all this. It, all this is a, it's, it's a domino effect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All of it is a domino effect. What else can we say, man? This, this right here is just, they didn't really think this through. I'm going to say a couple more things here. Just some things that just popped up just when you started speaking there. So think about Chicago, right? We talk about there are food deserts that are out there, right? Areas mm-hmm. where basically people, they don't have access to food. Well, I was thinking about what we were talking here, and I'm thinking about, well, Inglewood, the Austin areas. These are technology deserts. Because now, not only do these people not have access to this stuff, but the services are poor. So the connection right. may not be fast enough for what the kid needs to, to, to stream things for first class, right? Because we know with Zoom or all these other different video services, you got to have a certain amount of connection and speed and things of that nature, right? Let's not forget about the fact of parents that have multiple kids, right? So if, if let's just say a parent has three kids, there's one device that's being used amongst all three of the kids. Or in the case that these kids are all fortunate to have their own devices, now you have three kids that are all doing schoolwork on the same internet and it's bringing it down. So those are things that just, when I think about this, it's just really, it's really tough, man. Because what I'm looking at is this is another different type of redlining. <laughs> the redlining that we talked no, about. Exactly. Affect, yeah, you hit it. You know, right. the redlining that we talked about before to hit the housing markets mm-hmm. in disadvantaged neighborhoods. We got to think about it. It extends to the infrastructure because if we don't even have technology to help our kids then, man, these communities are even worse off than what you, Jules and I have even talked about. It's upsetting because it seemed like the kids in inner city always are held back or always getting a, the short head, drawing the short straw mm-hmm. and always just always need help. And it's messed up because it's 2021. We shouldn't be in a position where there's not enough computers, there's not enough Wi-Fi, there's not enough. Uh, what you call it, prayers? You know I'm terrible with this stuff. I was mentioning that the, the connection speed, if you have the connections, multiple devices, right? The speed, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It, multiple, right? Exactly. Yeah, man, excuse me, people. Yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm a caveman <laughs> like that. So <laughs> it hurts because it's like, why is this insidious? It, do people just, you know what? 
it's just the inner cities, just people of color or your your lower uh, class of whites. It's just them. We ain't gonna worry about them. Yeah. They just get fend for themselves because it's like, all, why is always in the inner city? Yeah. Or or the people that, that don't have, because like you, you right, mentioned, or don't have right, because the lower class, you know, because I want to bring that up. I think what it comes down to is people of color and people based on their income, uh, because mm-hmm. those are the people that are struggling. Also, one area that I didn't even think about, Jules, it just popped up in my head. Think about some of our Spanish speaking. What if their parents don't understand technology, so their kids are being left behind? So there's just a lot of things that aren't even being addressed or even talked about. So my thing is the the digital divide, that was a good conversation, and I'm glad that it was had. But I think that we need to look further into it besides just giving somebody the devices, giving them the Internet. There's so many different levels to this thing. I think what these schools should have done during this time is they should have taken like a, a look at themselves and how they were approaching education. Looking at steps of how they can continue to train their teachers and distance learning best practices. Because you know that there's some teachers out there that are probably perfected it, probably got some really good things that they're doing to teach their kids, right? But why don't why aren't they like spreading those to everywhere? Why don't they spread those to the inner city? Because from all the, the people that I've talked to in CPS in the inner city, they just feel like these kids aren't getting anything. The kids are disconnected. The kids don't really give a shit. You know, um, they're like I said earlier, they're taking care of siblings, you know, and just honestly, right. school was like the only thing that kind of kept them in-person learning was the only thing that kind of mm-hmm. kept them somewhat engaged. So now they're at home, they're in that environment, which is another thing that I wanted to bring up. A lot of these kids, school was their way for them to get out of an adverse situation, right? Because maybe they might have had a teacher that really connected with them and basically got them to really take learning and education seriously, right? Well, those okay. students right now aren't having those opportunities. You think about in the past when you look at these stories where, you know, you have an Antoine Fisher type of story where you have someone that connects with someone because they have that personal relationship, personal connection. You're not building that personal connection with a teacher or or uh, or an educator over a Zoom. That comes from no. being around that person, that person to see who you are as an individual. And these students that normally would have basically been able to be impacted by that teacher that really gives a damn, I don't think that those students are going to be reached during this type of learning situation. No, because it's nothing intimate. Right. It's nothing intimate. It's no, just no. you look at somebody in the computer or or some, or some I don't know how that works, but they give you work and you do it or if you do do it or if you don't do it. It's, there's nothing, like you said, for that person to really relate to that teacher or see something in that teacher to say, hey, you know, I can learn from this person. Or the teacher see the, the, the child, the student, for a person who really needs help and who wants to learn and, and really engage. Right. So there's nothing, right, there's nothing to t- kind of connect them to uh, or, you know, the, st- the teacher and students to, to connect with each other. Like, hey, I need this person because I want to learn or I need, I want these students to learn. There's no connection there. It's just, here's the work and you do it. Yeah. So, the, yeah. It's, and the way it works too, Jules, is like, say, for instance, whatever video software that they use, whether it's Skype or Zoom or GoToMeeting, whatever. Mm. But what they do is the same type of thing where the teacher basically gives like instruction instead of it being in class, they do it all over Zoom. So the students have to log okay. in. They take attendance that way. A lot of times those teachers, though, even if the student's logging in and the student is present, well, there's no guarantee that that student, if they turn their video off, what are they doing, right? They can just be logged into your class, but then that's it. 
what if the student logs in and they leave the room and go do something else? Like, you don't know. True. Unless it's a right. teacher that is really good at engaging with the students and they are smart enough to say, hey, you know what? In my class, it's mandatory to keep your cameras on. In my class, you know, I'm going to call on you. Like, so basically making sure that the students are engaged. You know, there's different things you could do. Teachers can, you know, put games and incorporate fun things in there to make sure that their, mm-hmm. you know, students are doing things. But I think the best teachers are the ones that are kind of adapting. Whereas, you know, you may have some teachers that just for the lack of better words are just collecting a check. And so you'll see right. the difference between the two. Right. So like my that my wife was in cybernetic and now she's an online school teacher. Okay. But okay. her class is in Louisiana, I believe. What she did, she noticed kids goofing around and this and that. What she did, she sent all her students earphones. And while they're in class, they must wear these earphones because she don't want no distraction, nobody talking, nobody playing around. See, I like And that. she said it works. She said it helps. It helps because it, it really gets them engaged. It really gets them focused on what you got to teach. And see, that's what I was just talking about. The better teachers are the ones that that know different tricks to basically make sure that these kids are being engaged. And I think that those are best practices mm-hmm. that need to be shared. And maybe I hope that she shared that with some of her colleagues, because I guarantee you that some of her colleagues are probably struggling with trying to figure out ways to keep their students engaged, you know? Yeah, I'm going to ask her. But man, she said it really worked by giving them headphones because it, it it's now it's, it's one-on-one. It's, it's, it's like they're being one-on-one because it counts out all that noise and background noise and distraction. So, yeah, that's a good uh, that's a good tactic. And you know what? It's, it's also to me when I listen to that story, it's a shame that parents of those students didn't, you know, give their kids basic things like having those headphones so they can focus on class, you know. But the fact that she did that is basically forcing these kids to have to pay attention, to not be worried mm-hmm. about what's going on in their households, because that's another thing as well. Do these students have a quiet place to do classwork? In their homes. Right. Right. You know, so that's just the thing is that when I think about this um, remote learning, there's a lot of holes in this situation and there's a lot of gaps. And I think when we look at the disparities in people, these things have been going on before a pandemic, Jules. I mean, let's just be honest. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, so these inequalities have been going on for years. Right. And it's mostly impacting the black Hispanic and low-income families. And mm-hmm. all this pandemic did is just rip the Band-Aid off and has exposed the ugly wound that's there in education. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. it. Dude, you're right. You're right. That's what we've been, that's what we've been talking about. It's been, it's been like that for, for a good minute. And like I said, it's just being exposed with this uh, when the pandemic hit. And now you really see, just like the, them storming in the Capitol building, <laughs> something else, there's something else, but now you, people, people are seeing right. and can relate. Mm-hmm. So now with this, people are seeing this and also can relate. You no, know, you're definitely right about that, especially from the relating standpoint, because when a lot of this stuff became, I think, newsworthy, when we did our episode last season, you had a lot of people, even people that I worked with, they were even shocked to understand and hear, whoa, these kids don't have access to the internet? Wow. Right. So then in my company, they pledged money to get devices to students. So they were doing their part to help. And so my thing is, that was one part of the situation, but you know me, Jules, I'm one of those type of people. I don't believe in band-aids on problems. You got to get to the root of the okay. issue. And so when mm-hmm. you look at this education system, this whole system needs to be overhauled because as you mentioned with your wife sending out the headphones, because she realized that these kids were goofing off, not engaged. Well, mm-hmm. we got mm-hmm. things like, you know, redlining that has stripped these areas of resources. They don't have technology. They don't have access to stuff. 
parents are essential workers. So until we get to the root of what is really going on in these low-income areas and in these inner cities, we're going to continue to see a trickle-down effect. And what that trickle-down effect is, is that the school system and these kids are going to continue to fail. Because how is the school going to address an issue that really the issue is so many levels of what's causing the issue with the student? And it goes far behind the school itself. No, you're right. You're right. So you're right. I, there's just there's a, a lot. lot of stuff that play in part. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I agree with you. A lot of a lot of things that play in, play in factor with this. It's not yeah. just the schools. It's it's other things. Communities. It, it's the parents. The parents. Yeah. It's the parents. Come on now. Hey, it, you talk about all the time. The parents it, supposed to give take care of the kids and give everything it, it needs so the kids can function and live day to day and and grow. Because if a kid doesn't have that support system like you and I were fortunate to have, that's why you end up in these situations like that where then now it's up to a teacher like your wife to to take it upon herself to spend her own personal money to to send headphones or whatever else things that she's doing, right? But that's what I mentioned is, well, why didn't a parent make sure that their kids had that stuff? Right. You know? (laughs) And so so, those are the little things. I hear you. Right. <laughs> so you know, I, I sometimes I t- talk to parents. I, you know, I talk to parents all the time. Matter of fact, and you can show some initiative. You don't really have to wait on any. Now, if it's a, a financial thing, I understand. You know, not everybody is blessed to be in certain situations. People are struggling, but uh, if you can, you can do some initiative. Like you said, the little things, the little things go a long way. Goes a long way. So the 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 support support system need to be strong. The parents need to be engaged. The teacher need to be engaged. The student need to be engaged. The community, the churches, everything. You know, yep. it has it takes, to be all. It has to be yeah. It takes <laughs> the village, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's true because you remember when we talked about earlier in season two, and I talked about how when I was coming up that the neighbors knew our family, we knew their families. So remember the situation where I mentioned I got locked out of my home. I'm sitting outside with my brother looking dumb as hell. Our, my next do- our, our neighbor from across the street is like, uh-uh, come on over here to your grandma and them come back. Get your homework done. I'm, I'm going to put right. some food on for y'all. That is the epitome of a community. And mm-hmm. that is why you and I were able to be successful in life because not only with having a strong family situation, but we lived in communities that looked out for each other, that helped each other. And that is so right. important. So important. It is. It is. It is. We need to get back to that, man. Well, you know what the problem is, is that a lot of people, man, they um, when they get their sales situated and figured out, well, then they like, well, it ain't my responsibility. That's on them. And I never have respected people to have that type of viewpoint ever, because while you and I were fortunate, dude, it could have very well went left. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. No, you're right. <laughs> and, I, and I think about that, bro. And that's a privilege that you and I have. And that's something that I don't take lightly. And so that's why I always try to give back to these little kids, man, and these shorties, man, out here just trying to figure this stuff out. You know, we know a lot of them right now with this pandemic dropping out of school, you know, getting lost to the streets and all this other kind of stuff. Those are kids that we need to be trying to reach. You know what I mean? And that's that's where this stuff, that's why I say it's levels to this thing, man, because this pandemic didn't cause this stuff. This stuff has already been here. What this pandemic did is made the shit worse. It's like really taking a problem and you really just made it multiply. You know what I mean? And that's oh, what happened. I get you. So with that, 
that's why everybody, all hands need to be on deck. Because wow. it's been built with such of a bad, bad hand, everybody had to be on deck. And everybody had to be on, on one accord, too. That's the only way to get a that's, that's the only way to get ahead. It is what it is. That's like trying to sit on the sun for keeping it coming up. It's not going to work. <laughs> we, got this work. Pan, we got this pandemic. Here's where we at. There's just, unfortunately, there's, there's the inner city and, and your lower class of people. You're not going to have resources. You're not going to have things at your disposal. But there are people that are out there that, that are helping. Right. They ain't going to spoon feed you. Mm -hmm. You got to find it and look for it and go for it. Mm hmm but the resources are out there because you know what? There's many different organizations out there that are giving kids a place quiet to do their work. Mm -hmm. There's organizations out there that are providing devices and things of that nature. So those resources are out there. The thing about it is, though, is mm -hmm. two things. Parents have to be educated to know where those resources are. The schools mm -hmm. or teachers need to know about those resources where they can talk to their students about that type of stuff. Because I think that, like you said, if it takes a village then it's everybody's responsibility to make sure that people are in the know about these different resources that are out there. Academic mm -hmm. counselors, guidance counselors. These are things that these people should be basically making sure that these kids are aware of any program that's going to help them. One thing that I thought about that I really think is going to be really vital for a lot of these kids that are being left behind right now is getting them some sort of tutoring that'll get them up to speed with the material. Because I know some right. of my... Uh, friends, you know, that are in the working class, they've hired private tutors for their kids over Zoom to make sure that whatever schoolwork that they are getting during the day, that this tutor works with them a couple times a week and is making sure that they're retaining the information and is preparing them for high school or college. And that's good. Yeah. But that's stuff that they're able to do because they have the financial wherewithal to do True. so. So now for these parents that don't have that wherewithal, then that's where it comes down to the school or the different people out there to make sure that if there are programs that are free that offer that type of assistance, that they're letting these parents know about those things. Right. See, that's important. That's mm -hmm. very important. Mm -hmm. and that's the thing. Don't sit on it. There are resources. Hey, let it be known. Let right. it be known because there's people out here that really need needs help and really want the help. They want the help. Exactly. Because I, I imagine there's a lot of students out there that are trying to get out of their situations, you know, and, and I think about that. Jules, you know, I do a lot of mentoring across the city. And uh -huh. when I was able to do that face to face, because now a lot of those things that I'm doing are there over Zoom and over different video conferencings. But I always tell these kids, they, they have my personal cell phone number, so they can call me anytime if they need. But when you had that in-person, one-on-one type of relationship with these kids, the impact that you were able to make, I thought a lot of times, was significantly better. I kind of feel like when I'm doing these things over the Zoom thing with these kids, I don't think it has that same impact. It just misses its mark a little bit more. You know what I mean? Right. But, yeah. Like I said earlier, there's no, there's no, there's no connection. That's the thing. It's nothing intimate. It's just. Yeah. It's hard to build that type of connection. Over it's hard. Over. Yeah. It right. Is. Because the thing about it is, you know, they, they know me. They know that I, I come for it with them. I don't let them make excuses. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm really hard on the kids, but. They also respect because they know that I come from the same place they come from, just like you did, right? And they know my struggles. And I put it out there full-fledged. Hey, these are the things that I did wrong. These are the mistakes that I made. This is how I paid for these mistakes. But also, I'm still here standing strong. And I'm still here trying to impart knowledge on you guys so you don't go through these pitfalls that I went through. Because I don't want that for mm -hmm. somebody else. If I can help you avoid... That's like that game. Remember uh, Pitfall, that game on Atari? Yeah. If I can, if I can help that alligator, which used to eat my ass up, dude, then 
I made some sort of an impact. And that's what this right. thing is. If everybody has that mindset to make this world a better place than the way you found it, bro, we wouldn't even be having conversations like this, Jules. Man, and that's why we started this podcast. We said we wanted to leave this world better for our kids and, and anybody else's, you know, say how we had it. We want to leave it better. Yes, and right. that's why we want to give out the information. Right. Knowledge is power. Like you talk about pitfall, but uh, uh, Tariq, let's talk about G.I. Joe at the end of the thing. Now, knowing, half the, <laughs> knowing this half the battle, you know what I'm saying? Yep, it is. Yep. <laughs> now, I know we're telling our age on here, but <laughs> but knowing, knowing this half the battle. So if you know better, like my mom said, if you know better, you do better. So, uh, heat. That was so, some heat. So that's why, <laughs> yeah. so that's why, that's why it's imperative for the young ones, for men. We need men to stand up in this community and prayers. Real talk, man. That's why I gave it. Hey, that's why you got the heat man figure. Because, dude, I know all the things you do. I know you, you don't like. You don't want no accolades. You do it because it's, it's from your heart. Right. But people, I just want to let you know, prayers out there. He making a difference in this community. That's why he's a heat man in my eyes. You I know. appreciate that, fam. Because, dude, think about it. It's like you said, we need our men to step up. Because if our men don't step up, then these kids that are out here now, they won't become men. Now, you think about that for a second. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's going to be another headline, another kid that's out there getting snatched away for some nonsense. I mean, think about situations where there's one person who, you know, kind of goes off the beaten path, right? And then he starts recruiting other people and they start, you know, getting into gang mischief and they start getting into these crews where they're committing crimes, right? That shit spreads, bro. Like them damn gremlins, the motherfuckers just start multiplying. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, when they get hit with water, yeah. Yeah. And that's how I see that shit. Negativity, bro, it just breeds against each other and just becomes more, it's easy for a motherfucker to be yeah. negative as hell, right? And, and uh-huh. that's why we gotta be willing to put in the work to snuff that shit out, man, because I know the struggles that I had in life and how I was able to overcome those struggles. Jules, you fucking have come a long way, you know? And the thing about it is, that's why, as you mentioned, we do pulling back the curtain because not only do we want to use this platform to build awareness, but we also want people to see two brothers that's out here that's doing something positive and we're trying to make a difference in the community that we came up in. And that's why on this podcast, every episode that we do on this thing, we hope that people are learning something new that they didn't know. Or if you did know, hopefully what you're hearing these words from us, it encourages you maybe to figure out ways that you could give back, how you can help some students maybe in some of these communities, right? And not just looking at it by just giving them a device. What can you really do to, to make a difference? And I think that's what everybody needs to kind of look at right now with these students, because these students are being left behind. Yes, sir, they are. And we need to do whatever we can to get these students back on track and back into learning and, and growing and achieving. Absolutely, bro. But man, Jules, again, dope-ass episode, bro. I appreciate you, yes, man. Yes, sir, man. I appreciate Dude, you. I love man. you, brother. <laughs> All right, man. I love, love you, man. Too, man. Real talk. Man. Real dude, talk, man. This, this is a good-ass episode. Real, And I hope that our audience listens. This is from the heart. We want better for these kids and all of these communities that we talk about. These kids' lives matter, man. And these kids should have the same opportunity for success in life that he and I have had. And we will hope that this conversation encourages some people out there to help out because it takes everyone. It's all hands on deck. And we have to have that mentality. With that being said, we are out. Jules, going to hit him with that curtain call, bruh. Okay, this curtain call goes out to Breakthrough Urban Ministries. This group right here put together an e-learning support program after determining 
Many parents they serve are essential workers who can't stay home with their children and need someone to help keep their kids on schedule and engage in their coursework. The program provides childcare for younger students who can't be left at home. Now, for older students, adults provide the support they would normally get in school. For diverse learners like those with ADHD or autism, the program offers face-to-face interaction that is important for learning. The program serves about 60 students from kindergarten to eighth grade daily. They work in pods up to 10, and we're given face masks and enough space to social distance. Students who do not have their own laptops or tablets were given a Chromebook provided to do their coursework. Now, for prayers of myself and the Pulling Back the Curtain podcast family, we would definitely like to thank you and appreciate all you guys' hard work in making a difference and a better community with bridging the gap with the parents, the students, and e-learning all together and, and just increasing knowledge. We just all like to say thank you. Hey, appreciate that, Jules. As always, you can find this podcast on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and Deezer. We appreciate your continued support of this podcast. Without you, we wouldn't be. We're the Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast. Thanks for listening. Peace.